0: Today, uh, our topic that we're looking at in our sermon series on the book of Proverbs is this title of dealing with our anger. And uh, this is obviously a timely topic in our culture. It's a timely topic for many of us, as all of us, I think, at times wrestle uh, with this issue in our life. And uh, and long ago, about 2,000 years ago, in fact, the Greek philosopher Aristotle said this, Anyone can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way, this is not easy. Now some of you when you hear those words are thinking, hey, I'd like to be able to do that. I'd like to be able to get angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way. That would be a great goal because sometimes I get angry and it's not for the right reasons or it's not in the right way. I want to say to you this morning, if your goal is, is that this is what you want, to be able to get angry in the right reasons and in the right way, then you are in the right place. And uh, even though uh, we know how not easy it is to handle our anger well, we want to be able to do that, don't we? Because we know how, how mismanaged, how mishandled anger damages people and relationships, not only in our world and in our society, but also within the circle of relationships that you and I have as we live our life. I thought this week about all of what's going on in our country and our world and all the anger that gets so expressed. We're such an angry society. And, and that got borne out when I looked at the uh, uh, the latest FBI statistics. It tells us there's a, a violent crime that occurs in our country about every 25 seconds. An aggravated assault happens about every 40 seconds. A murder every 36 minutes. And this statistic greatly saddened me. Among young people ages 20, uh, 10 to 24... Murder is the number two cause of death. According to Prism Magazine several years ago now, and so I don't know how much the statistics have changed the last few years, but several years ago now, Prism Magazine said that, that domestic violence is one of the major causes of emergency room visits by women in our nation. I looked at other statistics this week, and, and when I checked on the internet, uh, I found out that 1,500 people a year in our country are either killed or injured when there's conflict between other drivers who are driving down the road and and they get mad at each other and they attack each other either with their cars or they stop their car and and attack each other. But it's not just violence. As mismanaged anger plays a role in, in so many divorces that occur today, we're, we're told that about 50% of all people who marry will get divorced. And, and we know that, that anger and, and, and not dealing with anger appropriately has a lot to do with that. And probably while most of us who are here this morning have not had our lives altered by a violent crime that has been committed against us or against a loved one, there are some people here this morning who have experienced uh, violent crimes being perpetrated against them. But, but probably uh, for the most of us here anyway, we've not experienced that. But yet at the same time, uh, almost every one of us here this morning has experienced uh, family members or friends who, who've gone through a divorce. As a result of anger not being appropriately dealt with. And there are some of you here this morning who've been through a divorce yourselves. And not only are marriages affected and impacted by by anger that's not dealt with uh, appropriately, but but also our children are affected as well, aren't they? Parents who who do not learn to deal with their anger wound their children. and, And very often their children end up growing up and repeating the same patterns. They did a survey a while ago amongst children, and they asked them if you could change anything about your mom, what would it be? And and the number one answer of those kids in that survey was, I wish my mom didn't yell at me so much. Ninety-six percent of the kids who were surveyed gave that as their response. Not only are marriages and our families and kids impacted, but but some people lose jobs because of anger. In fact, Uh, I read recently about a a pastor who received a note from uh, one of his parishioners uh, uh, just as they were getting ready to start a series on anger. And and she said in her note that she had lost her previous job because her boss called her old faithful. Hmm. Not because she was dependable, not because she was reliable, but because about once a month she would just explode and spew out anger. Some of you lost a friend. Some of you have toxic relationships going on. Some of you have become estranged from a parent or someone in your family because of anger either that you struggle with or they struggle with. It is not easy, is it? It is not easy to deal with anger wisely and well. A- and the destructiveness of not dealing with anger wisely and well is huge, isn't it? And, and so I think everybody here needs to acknowledge that at some point we struggle with anger and, and 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 maybe not all of you, uh, you know, deal with it inappropriately, but I bet in a room this size, the vast majority of us, if we are honest, would say at some point we have a real issue with anger. I found it interesting this last uh, few uh, weeks as I've been preparing for this message to do some research and... uh, and as far away, as long ago as 100 years ago, they were doing research on the issue of anger. And, and, and there was a survey about 100 years ago that talked about uh, the categories that trigger people's angry responses. And, and the first one I thought was pretty humorous because the survey named it stupid inanimate objects. <laughs> and, uh, and it's like kind of in our day we talk about shoelaces. You know, when they break, we're trying to tie them in a hurry. Uh, we get angry. ATM machines that swallow our cards or keep our money. Computers that eat our files. Or I don't know about you, but the one that really set me off at times, especially when my kids were young at Christmas time, were those toys in boxes that were marked "what easy to assemble." Yeah, right. And if you're like me, sometimes I, I, you know my wife laughs at me sometimes, and and you know we're waiting for an elevator and I'm in a hurry, and so what do I do? I don't just push the button once. You know, I'm there pushing it several times. Maybe I guess on the theory that this stupid elevator is going to sense my sense of urgency and uh, bypass all the other people on the rest of the floors because, you know, hey, I'm an important person with places to go. You know, crazy. Some of you are laughing because you do the same thing, right? Stupid, inanimate objects. And I'm not making this up. This was in an article some years ago back, uh, back uh, in the, Herald, uh, uh, the International Herald Tribune from Bellevue, Washington. This is what it says. Bellevue Police Chief Jack Kellum reported an irate motorist became so angry when his vehicle got stuck in six inches of snow that he pulled a tire iron from his trunk and smashed all the windows out of his own car. Okay? <laughs> What's that about? But that isn't where it ended. The article goes on. It says he then pulled a pistol out of his trunk and shot all four tires. He reloaded and emptied half the clip into the car. Okay? He killed it, Kellum said. It is a case of autocide. (laughs) Kellum said the man was sober and rational but was very perturbed. You you think? Stupid, inanimate objects. Survey found that the other category that triggers people's anger uh, is people. and, and, And that sometimes doesn't end well, does it? I remember the 2020 segment from a a number of years ago now that they did a feature on anger and and I was just staggered and and floored by what I watched as they talked about two drivers who had conflict on a road. One of the drivers felt that they'd been cut off by the other. And, and so they began driving down the road. They drove next to each other. They're exchanging angry gestures. They're tailgating and so forth. And finally, the guy who feels like he was, in, was wrong, that he had gotten cut off, pulls in front of the other car, reaches under his seat, pulls out a semi-automatic pistol and shoots several times into the other vehicle, killing the driver. A 17-year-old girl. In 2020, interviewed this guy when he's in prison. And they asked him if he felt people should feel sympathy for him. And you know what his response was? She started it. She started it. I'm as much a victim as she is, he said. You know, if this wasn't so unspeakably tragic that here is a 17-year-old girl who will never grow up and never to be able to do what what she would have done in her life. Her life is gone. And and here this guy, his life is gone too as he sits in prison. You would say this is like listening to a five-year-old kid. And friends, maybe while our anger will never escalate to the point like that, that even you know, though it will never hopefully involve something as lethal as the use of a gun, we've got to understand that, 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 that our misplaced anger cannot be justified because of what someone else has done. You and I have got to take responsibility for our anger and how we deal with it. You and I have got to do that or we're going to get stuck in our anger and become a slave to it. The way you and I express our anger and deal with our anger isn't the result of some stupid, inanimate object or people or some event. It is up to you and it is up to me what we do with it. We can control it. You want an example of how much we can control it? I'll share a story with you. What happened one time a number of years ago in our marriage and I struggled with anger and I'm going to share a little bit more about that later, but... but. But I remember a number of years ago now, Vanessa and I were in an argument at home, and I was angry and upset, and, you know, I'm one of those guys, I'm one of those people that explodes. Some of you don't, but I do. And, and so I'm there, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and what do I do? Yeah. I stop the, pick up the phone, hello, yeah. how are you? We can control our anger. We can control our anger, we really can, especially when the stakes are high enough. Now, now, when we say that we can't control our anger, I've got to tell you, I, this goes so contrary to the Scriptures because God expects us to deal with our anger appropriately and He'll help us. And, and there are a number of statements about this the, in the Bible, but we're going to just look at a few this morning. And one of them comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26-27, through 27, where the writer of Scripture says this. The Apostle Paul says, Be angry. In other words, anger is a human emotion. It's a natural thing. Be angry, but do not sin. In other words, control it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. What that's saying is that anger is a human emotion. Every human being is going to experience it. And, and, and quite frankly, as a matter of fact, anger is, is not always a bad thing. It can be a good thing. For you see, we're told that, that anger really is, a, is an emotion that, that results in physiological arousal. When you and I get angry, our adrenaline secretes, our blood pressure rises, our pulse races, our, you know, the pupils of our eyes get, get larger. Uh, even more sugar, they say, is secreted into our bloodstream. And what is happening to us physically is that our body is getting prepared to act. It's a form of bodily power. Anger, you see, is an emotion that gives our body what it needs to be able to respond to some situation that threatens us. And so anger can at times be a good thing. Anger handled appropriately is a good thing at times because it leads us to want to make what is wrong right in our world. It causes us to want to bring justice to unjust situations. We look at all of the massive evil going around us in the world and, and we get angry and, and it leads us to want to respond to it and do something about it. Anger is good. Jesus even got angry. We, we know that from the Scripture and we see that in the Scripture. And, and when He got angry, it, it led to Him wanting to stand up for the poor and the oppressed and the downtrodden. Anger is a strong emotion. And it can times lead us to what is good, but it needs to be controlled or it at times will lead to great harm to others and to ourselves. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry, but don't sin. We need to learn how to deal with our anger. We need to learn how to control it. Well, we're in a series on Proverbs and so... Let's turn this morning to the book of Proverbs and and see a few of the Proverbs that touch on this topic of dealing with anger. And in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible says this, a quick tempered man does foolish things. Another translation of this says people with a hot temper do foolish things, but what? Wiser people remain calm. In other words, wiser people control our anger. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to their anger, but a wise person keeps themselves under control. I, I, I like another translation in how it, it puts it. It says a rebel shouts in anger, but a wise man holds his temper and gets this, cools it, cools it. That's interesting, right? The expression cool it comes right out of the Bible. So uh, this next week when you get angry about something and you're about ready to go out of control all you got to do to say to yourself is hey cool it Proverbs 29:11 okay But but seriously though notice here the Bible says that that a wise person keeps himself under control In other words we've got to learn to deal with our anger differently than the way we oftentimes deal with it in other words we need to relearn how to express our anger. We've got to become a student, so to speak, of dealing with our anger by saying, first of all, never again, never again am I going to blame my mismanaged anger on another person or some stupid, inanimate object. I'm going to own it. And then after owning it, then we go into the school of dealing with our anger and, and we do whatever it is we need to do. We, we read books on the topic. We get help from and accountability from our, our life groups that we're part of on a, on a regular basis or, or from the men's small groups that we're, we're a part of, that we meet with uh, week by week. And, and if we can't make headway on it ourselves, then we've got to find a really good Christian counselor who can help us come to grips with this stuff. Because quite frankly, for a lot of us here, our past has shaped us because of the homes we've grown up in and the things that have happened to us. That stuff shapes us at times to be angry people. We've got to deal with it. And sometimes we need the help of someone to be able to do that. I think of my own story. And and for a lot of years, I struggled with anger as a result of stuff that had gone on to me in, in the past. And, and I went into marriage, and, and I was an angry person at times. And, and not always, but at times I, I, would, I would blow. And, and, and I would say things that were hurtful to Vanessa. And, and, and i got to tell you, we've been married about a year and a half. I'm in seminary. I'm studying to be a pastor. We're driving to church that Sunday morning, and I'm upset about something. And I'm taking it out on her verbally. And she looked at me and she said, David, I wish I had never married you i got to tell you, that was a wake-up call. That was a wake-up call. And it led to me beginning the process of coming to grips with dealing with my anger. And, and part of that was seeing a counselor who could help me peel back some of the layers of that so that I could learn to deal with anger appropriately. And you know, if you will do that, if we will do that, you know what God says to us? We're heroes. Huh? You realize that? The Proverbs talks about us being heroes in God's eyes when we learn how to deal with anger appropriately. Look at Proverbs sixteen thirty two. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. I mean, this is a remarkable statement about who God considers to be a real hero. Think about it. I mean, look at our society and who are, the, who are the movie heroes in our society today? Who are they? I mean, well, years ago they were Terminator and Rambo and Lethal Weapon and Die Hard and Die Harder and Die Hard with a Vengeance, right? Yeah. And in more recent years, who are they? Jason Bourne, The Shooter, Batman. I, I mean, I got to tell you, folks, these are not poster boys for anger management, are they? Yeah. Our movie heroes are oftentimes angry heroes chasing angry villains. Well, what the writer of Proverbs is saying here in Proverbs 16, verse 32 is, hey, put a great warrior who can capture a city on one side and on the other side, put a person who has developed patience and, and can deal with their anger in a, an appropriate way and, and ask yourself, who's the hero? And God says, there's no contest. Taming a hostile city is nothing compared to taming a hostile spirit and temper." But he says, the real hero is the man or the woman who can subdue their temper, who can subdue their anger. Now, this is not easy to do, is it? So what does the Bible teach us about how to deal with anger? Well, I want to take the rest of our time this morning that we have left and talk about some steps in dealing with our anger. And if you're filling in the blanks, that first step that you can fill in is the word stop. And, you know, this sounds really simple, doesn't it? But it's not. It's pretty difficult, actually. And the reason that, that just simply stopping when we get angry, the reason that is so difficult is because, as we've already seen, anger leads to this physiological arousal that goes on within us. And so the angrier we get, the more our arousal level goes up. And people suffer from what psychologists call, you know, this is a big word, cognitive incapacitation, okay? And what that really is is just the fancy psychological word for we can't think straight. And it's true. The angrier we get, we can't think straight. I mean, anger produces what what I, I like to call the Jim Carrey effect, you know. As we get mad and madder, we get dumb and dumber, right? And and we do. And so the first step is we've got to just stop. When, when the gauge of our life is, is like reading red hot with anger, We've got to delay our response. We've got to stop. And we've got to take time to allow our body and our emotions to cool down rather than responding and reacting out of those emotions that we're feeling. Remember, Proverbs 14, 17 says, People with a hot temper do foolish things. Wiser people remain calm. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, A fool gives vent to their anger, but a wise person keeps himself under control. And so when the gauge is reading red hot, we've got to stop. We've got to stop. And, and maybe that means leaving physically the situation that we're in and going someplace where our emotions can kind of calm down. A guy by the name of Daniel Goldman did some research recently and, and he found out that uh, when people get really furious, at, you know, guys especially, when guys get furious and they can't see straight and they're about ready to hulk out, you know what they do? Not a good thing. They get in their car and go for a drive, Okay. Probably a better idea at that point is to go for a long walk. But the key is we've got to stop and we've got to begin to cool down. And, and you know, realize that, that as we are doing this thing and, and, and participating in this cooling down period, it's not going to work. It's while we're out taking a walk, all we're doing is rehearsing those anger-inducing thoughts. You know, I used to do that. I used to get angry and walk away. And, you know, I'm turning that stuff over in my mind like it's turning on a rotisserie grill. We've got to find some way to reroute our thoughts, and one of the ways that I found helpful is to just simply say to myself, "Stop." And sometimes, if I'm alone, I'll do that—you know—verbally, and I'll just say, "Stop." Uh, and, and I've realized, you know, like you know, sometimes you got to be really careful. You have to have a little cert- discernment, though, when you do that, because, say, for instance, you know, Doug is. Uh, you know, Pastor Doug's telling me something and, and I'm frustrated about something and, and, you know, I don't want to just all of a sudden yell the word stop. Not a good thing to do at that point. Might not go over too well, right? But, but you know, seriously, we got to stop and we got to refuse to do what doesn't work. Now, those of you that know me know that I wear my emotions on the sleeve. And so I tend to be one of those guys who explodes. But some of you, some of you are here that that are that way too. but, But others of you are more guarded. You're more cautious with your emotions. And so your default mode when you get angry is to clam up. Or some of you will withdraw emotionally and disengage. Some of you pout. Some of you give little verbal jabs. We've got to stop. And not do that default mode that we oftentimes go to, but instead resolve to do something different. And what is a something different that we need to resolve to do? Well, it is to then ask. And that's the second step of dealing with our anger, is to ask and ask ourselves a couple questions. And and the first question is, why am I angry? Because you see, anger is not a primary emotion. Anger generally results from some other emotions anger you see oftentimes is the result of hurt or frustration or fear and so if we want to deal with our anger constructively we've got to stop and take a step back and ask what's beneath the anger the anger's on the surface but what's beneath that what is the root cause to give you a couple examples of what i'm talking about here this morning let me give you a few scenarios here's one uh, say you're single and you ask someone of the opposite sex to go out on a date with you. And they say to you, I'm not going out with you. I don't find you very attractive. You know? It's not very nice, but it happens. And, and you feel flat out rejected. And as a result of that rejection, we feel anger. That's what's going on inside of us. So we've got to step back and say, hey, what's going on? What's beneath the surface here? Or, or a second scenario. Say you're on your way to church, okay? And, and you're not one who's ever late to anything. But... You have someone in your family who is always running behind. And, uh, and so you're frustrated and you're getting in the car late. You drive as fast as you can. And then you just happen to drive illegally through my neighborhood down the street there off of Magnolia, right? And some of you have done that. And some of you have gotten a ticket as a result of that. And uh, now you're really late and you're really frustrated. And then you come into church and you run into church and you go to your seat and someone is sitting in your favorite seat or someone is sitting next to your favorite seat and they put some papers in the seat because they are saving it for someone else what are you experiencing gotta step back and say hey i'm frustrated that's what's going on underneath that and begin to deal with that so the surface anger doesn't come out another scenario and i love this one dick ken davis talks about it and i'll put it in the context of our marriage say it's pitch dark in the middle of the night and Suddenly downstairs there is this loud thumping noise like almost feels sounds like somebody's walking around like they've broken into the house. Now now according to the United States Constitution who's supposed to go down and check out the sound? Is it the husband or the wife, right? You know. Well, Vanessa says to me, "Hey, what's that noise?" And I say, "I don't hear anything." <laughs> but I have to say it loud enough so she can hear me over the thumping noise, right? And then she gets on. She goes, you know, I've heard about this kind of thing. You know, some guy's loose in our neighborhood. This axe-wielding, bloodthirsty, homicidal maniac. He's escaped from prison. Go check it out, you know. And at that point, I'm kind of like, all righty, then. Maybe I'll just go downstairs in my boxer shorts and Scat will scare him, you know. <laughs> but then I remember, hey, we're in this egalitarian marriage and we're partners. So I say to her, you go check it out, right? Ha, 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 you know. To which he says, I can't go check it out. I'm in my nightshirt and I don't have any makeup on. I can't go down there, you know. (laughs) You know, what's going on here when this stuff happens? Fear, right? We get afraid of something and and what comes out is anger. We've got to stop ourselves in the midst of that stuff. And this is kind of funny stuff, but sometimes it's not funny. And, And we need to then ask ourselves, why am I angry? And then once we realize whether it's coming out of fear or frustration or hurt or whatever it's coming out of, we then ask ourselves that second question. What do I want? What is my goal? And hopefully the goal is not that we're going to, hopefully the goal isn't like I used to do. I used to focus. My goal used to be when we get in an argument how can I win this argument? Because I hated to lose, right? Sometimes, more tragically, the goal is how can I inflict pain on the other person because I'm mad at them? They've hurt me and they've wounded me. Hopefully, those aren't the goals. Hopefully, the goal for us is that we want to deal with whatever it is that's causing the pain and do so in a constructive way that honors God. And maybe that means giving up our own personal desires because that's really the definition of love in the Bible, isn't it? Seeking the well-being of the other person. And maybe in order to do that, we've got to give up some things we want to see happen. Or maybe we can work with the person and we talk with them and and we talk the thing through and we can come out to a workable solution. But whatever it is, we've got to be asking ourselves, why am I angry and then what do I want? And we've got to go about achieving that outcome in a way that is constructive and honoring to God. And then there's the third step. And that is to listen, to listen. And uh, this has to do with a commitment to wanting to understand and empathize with the other person. And what this means is that we put ourselves in the place of the other person. And, and that doesn't mean that we justify the bad behavior that someone else does. But what it means is that we sit down and we, and we listen and we, try to make it, we make an honest attempt at trying to understand where they're coming from. And again, this stuff comes right out of the Bible. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if what? They keep silent, right? They listen. They're discerning if they hold their tongues. I mean, the Bible just addresses the human condition in amazingly relevant ways, doesn't it? And this is just some good, profound wisdom. And it goes along with James 1, verses 19 through 20, where where James says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. What's James saying here? He's combining this idea of listening and speaking, with, and he's relating it all to, to getting angry. And he says, Here's how the logic works in all this. If we are quick to listen and slow to speak, we are going to be slow to anger. But the reverse is true. If we are, are, are quick, if we're slow to listen and we're quick to speak, what's going to end up happening is we're not going to deal with our anger well. And so we've got to, to start thinking about how, 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 what do we want? What, what can come out of this that is good? And, and instead of focusing just so much on us or, or focusing on, on the hurt we feel or focusing on, on, on what we're feeling about what the other person has done, we begin to ask ourselves, let me listen to them, and, and sit down with them and, and seek to understand them. And then after doing that, we need to then do a fourth step, and that is to rethink. In other words, to rethink the thoughts that you and I have going on in our head when we're angry. If you're honest with yourself, I, I know for me it's true. I, I, when I get angry, I can really think some negative and some cynical and some hostile thoughts toward people. And so in order to effectively deal with what's going on there, I've got to rethink those thoughts. I've got to reroute my thoughts and think different kinds of thoughts. Let me give you an example here of something that happened when I was younger and my kids were younger. And, and we were living in Massachusetts and, and uh, the bedrooms were upstairs and the, uh, and the, the uh, living room where I would at times sit at night uh, to either relax or do some reading, some work, some study, whatever, was down below. And, and, and it was 9 o'clock at night. And our four-year-old got out of bed, and and she came downstairs tentatively violating curfew, right? But that night, I just happened to be relaxed. I'm listening to some music and just kind of mellow. And and so when this happens, I think of a series of thoughts as I watch her come down the stairs. And it's kind of like, well, you know, look at the little tyke. Only a few more moments to enjoy, uh, you know, a few more years to enjoy picture moments like this before she's grown up. How brave and adventurous she is, risking punishment to explore the unknown world of the night. She's a risk taker, just like her dad, you know. Now, put the context into another night. Same child, same father. Identical setting, only this time at the end of the day, I've had a really long, stressful, and frustrating day. I haven't had time to put my message together. And I'm feeling like, oh, I've got to put my stupid message together on anger, you know. And, and, and I want to go to bed and I'm frustrated, see, that's what's going on. I'm really frustrated. I'm not relaxed. And, and, and so, same child comes down the stairs, you know, risking the adventures of the night. Different series of thoughts, So this time. Oh, only a few more precious moments to get my work done, and this little monster can't stay in bed. You know? Sure, sneak down the stairs, kid. Go ahead, make my day, you know. But you gotta ask yourself: do you feel lucky? You know, well, do you kid, you know, how rebellious and disobedient she is, defying parental authority given to us by God. She didn't get those genes from me. Must have got them from her mother, right? You know, hey, series of thoughts lead to a series of feelings that lead to a series of actions. And notice the external situation is pretty much similar in, in both situations, but it's what's going on in my thought process. Now I want to pause for just a moment here because I, I, I want to address something that some questions have come up from several people actually have emailed me or called me and asked me. And, and they said, hey, you know, you've been talking about how to deal with conflicts in relationships, but, but what about those situations where, where a person is abusive? And I want to say to you this morning that I just want to make this clear and kind of add an addendum onto the last couple weeks and talk about this as we're talking about dealing with our anger is that if you are in a, in a, in a situation where a person is abusive and they are regularly and deliberately wounding you, you're, you're going to think thoughts that, that, that are angry thoughts and feelings. And I want to tell you, those are accurate thoughts. Those thoughts are right on target. Okay. You should be angry. If someone is regularly wounding you and hurting you and you are a victim of unjust treatment, your thoughts are right on target. But you still got to decide what you're going to do to deal with the issue. You still got to ask, what do I want? And, And maybe after asking that question, you've got to then make the determination that really your safety is of primary importance. God does not intend on you staying in an abusive relationship. And so maybe you need to protect yourself. And I want to say that to you this morning if you're one that heard something differently from me in the last couple of weeks. But having said that, I also realize that for a lot of us in here, we're just in typical relationships with people where we wound each other and we ding each other because we're human beings and we're going to do things at times that frustrate one another or that are hurtful to one another because of our own selfish desires. And we're going to at times feel angry about them. And so what are we going to do? After we stop, ask we, after we ask ourselves those questions, after we listen, we've got to reroute our thoughts. And we've got to then begin to think the kinds of thoughts that Paul speaks of in Philippians 4, eight. He says, rather than thinking hostile and distorted thoughts, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such you know, I want to invite all of us to think back through the last week and, and ask ourselves if we've entertained any thoughts about people or issues that, that weren't true, that, that weren't noble, that weren't right or pure or lovely or admirable. Paul is saying, hey, you've got to stop thinking that way and you've got to reroute your thoughts and think about that which is good. Think about that which will lead you to feel and to act in a way that honors God and gives him praise. And so, for instance, someone rudely cuts us off in traffic rather than thinking hostile thoughts and thinking, what a jerk that person is. Instead, think about, you know, think this, there goes my mother in that car. You know, now if you have mom issues, maybe you've got to go, you know, there goes someone I love, okay? I mean, that, that's, that's a reality for some folks here. But the idea here is that we want to focus on, on what's good and right and pure and that which honors God. And then after we've done all that, we move to the last step, which is to go, to go. And the idea here is that after we've done these first four steps that the scripture teaches us, we then take appropriate action. And I got to say to you, this is so important as to how to deal with our anger, because quite frankly, a lot of folks will just swallow it, right? A lot of folks will do nothing about their anger. And I want to say to you, if you do that, you stuff that anger. It isn't going to lay down there in a lawn chair for the rest of your life, okay? I know that from experience. At some point, it's going to come back up, and it's going to come up in an inappropriate way. And that's why the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. It says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, deal with it in an appropriate way. After we've stopped and we've taken time to cool down, ask why I am angry and what do I want and listen to the other person and rethink our thoughts and then go about dealing with the issues. Don't avoid confrontation. We've talked about that the last couple weeks of what God wants us to do when you and I get into conflict with others. Or maybe the situation is that we're just frustrated about some things and, and we need to deal with that internally. That happened to us yesterday. I, I, I had a really frustrating day in some ways. And I came home and, and Vanessa wasn't ready. We had a dinner engagement we had to get to uh, with some folks from La Miel. And, uh, and we were late. And, you know, I should have known we were in a Latin American culture. What difference would it have made if we were late, right? You know? but But I was frustrated. And so I began to get angry. Had to walk away. And had to... Go through this process and just go out to the garage and wait for her out in the car and go through this process and and, and deal with it. And so sometimes this idea of going and dealing with it appropriately means we got to deal with this stuff on our own inside so that when she came out to the car, I could be in a loving and a gracious spirit. But maybe sometimes anger is a signal for us to take action in a relationship where we truly are being wounded. And in those situations, we've got to not be conflict avoidance people, but we've got to go and deal with the anger. We've got to work it out with the person. And and maybe that means we go and we talk to a Norman Jen Jennings who have begun a counseling ministry here in our church, and they've dealt with a lot of couples, and they're helping so many people. Or or we go out to Ellsworth, and we see Doug Hood. Or or we go to Nebraska, and we see Ron Robeson. Or we talk to somebody here in town that's a good Christian counselor that we can trust. And we go about dealing with the issues to bring about resolve and reconciliation and healing to the relationship. You see, folks, stuff is going to happen in life. Stuff happens, okay? We've got to anticipate that it's going to happen. That, that's a part of living life in a fallen world and living in relationship with fallen and broken people. But the Bible is saying to you and to me today that we've got to deal with this in a positive way. We've got to stop and not respond how we usually do. And we've got to ask ourselves, why am I angry? What's going on underneath the surface? And then deal with that. And say, what do I want out of this? How can we bring about resolve in a constructive and God-honoring way? And to do that, we've got to listen genuinely to the other person. We've got to rethink our thoughts and think thoughts that are pure and good. And then we've got to take appropriate action. That's how we deal with anger. That's what the writer of Proverbs and all the scriptures tell us. And if we do that, the scripture says, and that is our goal, that is our desire, even though it's not easy, even though in and of our own human nature we may not be able to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit living within us, God will help us.